So if you're looking to expand, here's the pathway, here's the structure that you need to broadly follow. And I'm going to touch on the first five just to give you a snippet. But your first thing, do some market research, make sure your product can sell. Second thing is make sure your product is compliance. Make sure your products and your business are compliant with the regulations where you're going to go. The third one is decide what marketplace is best for you and make sure it's translated in the language that you need to make it happen. Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another Ecom Ops podcast. Today I'm talking to Andy Hooper, who is uh, from Global E-Commerce Experts. This is really cool. Uh, Global E-Commerce Experts sounds like uh, like like something really big. Andy, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having us, and uh, great to be here and hopefully share some top tips for people and see what we can do. This would be great. <laughs> Tell us a bit about yourself, Andy. Um, how did you get into e-commerce? Yeah, so I am, um, if we backtrack a little bit, basically. So I, uh, in 2008-9, when the financial crash happened, I was employed. And basically, everyone was swallowing up. The banks were swallowing you up, basically. Um, and basically, I ended up with no money. And it was at that point, I realized that somebody else was in control of my money and I wasn't. So from that point onwards, I started doing a lot more sort of entrepreneurial things that have led me down this route. So, you know, I set up businesses doing uh, dog walking and looking after dogs when people went on holiday. They then flipping stuff on eBay, then selling stuff on Amazon, um, wedding photography, 3D printing. I've done a whole host of these different things. Uh, but I guess the, the flipping things on eBay and selling stuff on Amazon started uh, early 2010, 11, I guess, um, and was more of a sort of a part-time hobby is probably the best word of describing it for probably five or six years before I started seeing an, uh, an opportunity in what we're doing now. Cool. Um, and, and then you founded Global E-Commerce Experts, GE. Um, and, and, and what do you do there? What's your, your main business? So Global E-Commerce Experts successfully expands e-commerce brands into Europe, helping them to become the next category king. So what we really do, you know, that sounds all really, really nice. But The bottom line is, is that brands that want to have a global reach need to expand to Europe. Brands that are coming under competition when they're only selling in one market need to have a global reach. So what we do is we help brands expand specifically where our main focus is into Europe. So the UK and the European Union all being in one. So we expand them there. And what we've got is a turnkey solution so that 
when people typically expand into a new market, they need 20 service providers to work with across oh, yeah. 20 different things. And it becomes a massive headache for people because they need to have one per their finance person team on the team talking to a finance person. They need a logistics person talking to the shipping person, uh, the warehouse person talking to a warehouse person, and the list continues, right? Uh, well, what we've managed to do is basically put that all under one roof. So when you expand, you basically have everything under one roof. You only need one service provider expanding to Europe to make that life easy. So if you're a brand looking to expand into Europe, you only need one service provider and give you all the answers and all the information um, and make it happen. So we're a service provider, not a consultancy. So we'll give you the consultancy for free, but the, the obviously the, the other side of that is we can give you the consultancy and tell you what to do. But the, the, the upside to that is, We've worked with 2,000 sellers. We know what we're doing, and here's the services to make it happen. And do you um, also have the goods on in your warehouse, and do you physically ship them for your customers? Yeah, exactly that. So we wow. we do a couple of different things. So we'll pick up their products from wherever they've been made in the world, and we'll then be able to ship them directly into our warehouses, both in the UK or Europe. Depends mm -hmm. on where they're going or where they're going to, depends on what they're looking for, and depends on what marketplaces they're selling on. But we then get the products into our warehouses where we can store, fulfill, rework, returns, etc. And then what happens is our warehouses then can then fulfill into wherever clients want. So if that's B2B, let's say Amazon FBA or to a mm -hmm. distributor, we can do that. But if you want direct to consumer and go, you know, be fulfilled on you know, 20 different marketplaces and go direct to the customer's house, we can do that as well. Cool. Wow. That's amazing. Um, and uh, what is the process? So I, I'm now a US-based brand that want to start in Europe. What's, what's to do? So I, I ship you the goods and you kick the body off or... Uh, Yeah, there's well, there's 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 a couple. If you are a brand that's just looking to expand, you haven't gone down that approach yet. We've we developed basically a seven step success pathway. So yeah. if you're looking to expand, here's the pathway. Here's the you know, structure that you need to broadly follow. And I'm going to touch on the first five just to give you a snippet. But your know, first thing, do some market research. Make sure your product can sell. Second thing is make sure your product is compliance. Make sure your products and your business are compliant with the regulations where you're going to go. The third one is decide what marketplace is best for you and make sure it's translated in the language that you need to make it happen. And then the fourth one is logistics. You need to be able to ship your products. You need to be able to do custom entries. And you need to be able to store and fulfill local to the market where you're going to go. Mm. And then the fifth one, you need to promote the products to get them through the line. So, you and to be honest, it doesn't matter which you which market you're expanding to, To be fair, you could use those going from the UK into Aust Australia or the States or India or wherever. But market research, compliance, marketplace launch, logistics, and promote. They're the five basic steps that are going to get every seller up and running. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So I, as the seller, do the promotion, um, do the translation as well, or do you help me with that? So we help with all of that. So we can help with different bits. You, the brand owns the products. The brands, you really is, is the brand owner. And we don't, we don't buy stock. We don't control the stock. We don't have anything to do with that. So the goods will come into our warehouse and some clients will you know, sell that themselves. They'll have their own website, their own Amazon store, their own eBay, whatever. And they'll do that themselves. Or as you say, we can support with that or, and 
we can help with translations or whatever's required because we've solved all these problems for over 2000 sellers. Now, mm-hmm. what wow. we know is, is what works. So, you know, you, if you work with, so when you're expanding, you work with, let's say a VAT agency, right? The only thing they've got to sell you is VAT. So what happens is, is that they say, oh, well, you need to be VAT registered in every country on, in, in Europe. And before you know, you've got 28 European VAT numbers. Well, that's all very well, but actually the cost of doing that could be £30,000. Yeah. So actually what you want to do is only register in the countries you want to. And the idea of what we do is we would tell you what you need to do when via one of our growth managers. So our growth managers help our clients expand. And their target is to get sellers to 80% of their US sales if they're selling in the States. That's uh-huh. their target. And if they were to sell everything, they'd never get to 80% because they spend all their money on our services and no money on stock. Yeah, And it's all about the stock. So it's about doing the translations when they're right for the product and the listing because there's three types of products translations. There's free, there's a small cost, and there's an investment. Yeah, I got it. What do you think regarding translations? I mean, there are a lot of, of, of things to consider, especially also the uh, entire ads that you need to write for Google Ads. Is it okay for brands to have the ads in English language or uh, and, and, and the product descriptions in German? Or is there blockers from, from people that later on will buy these products? It has to be done in the native language. Yeah. Because, you know, what is you know, one word to me might mean one thing. There might mean something else somewhere else. You know, the great example for us <clears throat> here in the UK, you, we work with a lot of um, US-based sellers. And... What happens is, is a US-based sailor says, I, you know, I want to ship some pants, right? In the States, they are trousers. They are garments that go, you cover from your hip all the way down your legs to your socks, right? You, that, they, we call them trousers here in the UK. Pants here in the UK are what you wear underneath your trousers, right? So it, it, there, there's little subtleties, you know, lift elevator, car, bonnet, boot, they just go trunk. It goes on and on and on. And every language, whether you're going from English to German, is exactly the same. We've all seen listings where they've been translated badly by sellers out of region. And it doesn't matter what platform you sell on, the SEO, the ads, the spend, the promotion, whatever you want to call it, however you want to wrap that up, people want to look at it in their native tongue language. And the, the key words behind that, what on ever platform they are, need to be in that language. Um, and there's plenty of tools out there to help you. It's not like you need a, a, you know, a suite of translators next to you. There are ways that you can do that. Um, but we've managed to get all of that in-house to support people. Yeah. And I think a manual translation by real people is always the best because totally. they, they really can... Uh, figure out what you're talking about and make some small changes. I mean, I, the, the worst thing I read is um, a one-by-one one translation where you where they really just go and translate the words and the context is lost. Uh, and that's, that doesn't make sense in sales at all. Uh, interestingly, you know, that, that is you, what we see quite a lot of here. And you, you'll see that in Austria and so on. Yeah. And then, but you, when you are first expanding, to be quite honest, Google Translate will do an okay job. 
and there are yeah. other tools available, right? When you've not sold a single thing in that region, actually, it's the pictures that do the majority of the talking. So if the pictures are on trend, on target, you've got some really nice pictures in there. You've got your product photo, you've got Hero, you've got, you know, it being used in situ and all the rest of it. You've got all these different um, your graphics on there. You, it's the pictures that sell. But actually, people then do want to read the, read the words. So what you then have to do is you then you do the free translation because it, it gets you going. Some people stall because they don't want to do it. They don't want to get moving. They don't want to take the action. It's like, oh, well, it's not quite ready yet. The problem with that is it'll never be ready. And you don't want to make any larger investments in your expansion than you need to. Because if you've got 20 listings, let's say, and we're going to charge... 100 euros per listing to do an epic translation. Well, it's all very well. We can do an epic translation, but quite honestly, that money would be better put into ads to promote your products when people are only looking at images for 70%, sorry, 70% of people are looking at images only. Like, you know, when you start selling those products, you, you want to do a native tongue translation to start with, which might only be 10 or 15 pounds per listing because you then want to build up the ads in the background to do some automatic ads to understand what what the actual keywords actually are <laughs> because there's no point spending 100 euros on this epic listing when you don't even know what the keywords are yeah um, yeah <laughs> it, it, it's counterproductive so yeah that's where our growth managers work really really well with our clients to say yeah yeah you like you can do it i'm not going to stop you doing it but i'm just telling you there's better places to spend your money yeah um, I and, think that's important and, and I think this is uh, essential also to, to really understand that if you want to do expansion do it the right way yes don't just go there and ship because you will you cannot compare um, if, if you have a, a bad listing um, and you make bad sale, sales of course you cannot say the market is not good enough for that uh, if, if the listing is bad because if the listing would be good the market maybe could react in a completely different way um, and, and this is what I'm seeing, especially at this time on Amazon. Yeah? Uh, you see so many um, foreign um, uh, brands and products, especially from Asia, yep. where, where they have really bad listings, but a very low price. And the problem is the people are buying these products. They get some trash and they say, okay, um, bad listing means it's always a bad provider, which is not the truth. Yeah. Um, it, it can be a good provider, it can be a good product, but the listing has been done bad. And so the associate the bad listing with a bad product. And, 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 and maybe there is uh, an action point to take where um, a good provider with a qualified listing, um, good texts, good images, um, will have very good results yep. if the listing would be good. I totally agree with that. The 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 uh, and for some you people, you, what does that represent about your brand? You know, it's you got one picture up with a few words. It's all very well, but quite honestly, one it won't pick up on the ranking particularly well anyway. Now, yeah. Um, but but on the other side, when you're looking through that, they, they can see people can see there's no effort been put into this. Like the days of sticking one image up and four bullets or sorry five bullets with just one word. I mean, it's just long gone. It, and and that, I think it's just because the audience is a lot more educated that what they're looking for, you know, be we've, as people have grown up with online shopping, you know, 
the, the they understand what a good listing is, what a bad listing is. They understand what you what they're looking for. They they know that they want to look for you a product image. Then they want a hero image. Then they want a lifestyle image. Then they want some some images with graphics on that tells them a bit about the product. All in ten photos or eight photos or you know, whatever the the marketplace allows. And I think that's really important. But then that's then put into for some of the older generation that now actually want a lot more of that information in text as well on the side yeah. listing. You know, there's a, a demographic switch for some of that. And we still did not talk about videos. So um, huh? this right. is this is the next step. Is that when you when you go on a listing on a marketplace, you often have the videos now where yep. you have a 3D shot and maybe someone and, and a lifestyle using the product. And that's all important. And it will drive sales crazy if all that is good. Yeah, totally. It's about, um, again, it comes down to the the brands, what you're representing as your brand to yep. make sure it looks epic. And the, the, the people that we see winning right now are brands. Yeah. They're not sellers that have just done a quick flip. They're not sellers that are, you know, um, out to get a quick buck. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but the days of finding a Me Too product, um, putting your own package around it, around it and selling it is, it's not gone, still totally feasible and possible. People are still doing it and making a huge sum of cash. But the longevity of brands, the brands that are winning are the ones that have created a brand around what they're doing. And they can actually showcase that on their listings, in their website, in their social, you know? And I think that's really important. Yeah, fully agree. Um, when we talk about mistakes, what are um, additional common mistakes that uh, e-commerce brands make when they try to expand to our regions here in UK and also uh, in, in in Europe. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick sort of a handful. Yeah, handful um, is to, to the first one is they don't do the right research. They yeah. don't find out where their product's likely to sell and where it's not likely to sell, and what marketplaces will be best for those products. But how can I do such a research? Whom do I ask? Go do I go to social media or do I run ads or a dummy shop or what should I do? So there's different ways of doing these things. Um, I think the best way of doing it is working with people that are in the regions that understand the market. You know, if you want to sell, um, I'm going to pick up something on my desk right now, right? I've got, so this is something that I 3D printed many, many years ago, right? This is an Apple Pencil holder. So for those people who are listening to this, to, to give you an understanding, this is a, a round disc with a pencil holder in the top that's shaped like a cone so you can put your apple pencil on your desk uh, and stand it up very nicely right all great right so if i take this product i've got this apple pencil stand for the one of a better word right and what i want to do is i want to understand if that's going to sell or not well the best people to ask is going to be the people that are living in the uk germany france italy and spain seeing what software is available to see if other people are selling the same thing um there's lots of different ways to do that for me there's two key ways utilize software that can help you understand if there's a similar product already on the market, which will give you a gauge. And the second one is to ask people to do a feasibility study on the product. Um, because if you do that, you're going to get the data behind that. You want to know the size of the market, what the market leader is currently doing broadly, yeah, and what that looks like across different platforms in different countries. So which country might these products sit best in and which marketplace could be the best for it? So is it 
an Amazon product? Is it an Etsy product? Is it a, you know, a Wayfair product? Is it a bold.com or Otto or Real or whatever? Yeah, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but where is that best likely to sell? So that's the first thing. Make sure you understand the market and which is the best markets or marketplaces to be selling that product. So the next common mistake is they don't make sure their product is compliant with the regulations. So that wicked, I've got this widget and I'm selling this in the States right now. And I'm just going to, instead of sending you a thousand units to the States, I'm going to send a thousand units into Europe, UK, Europe, UK or the EU, whatever works. And what happens with that is that the product most likely is probably compliant in most cases, right? But there's two things. One, there's no certificate to say that it is safe for the regulations here in Europe. And secondly, the label on the product probably isn't compliant with the regulations either because the regulations are different in each region that you go to. So you just need to make sure that your product meets those regulations. And there's three things you need to consider. One, what product does the regulation fall under? Two, is the product compliant with that regulation? And does it have testing certificates to show it? And thirdly, is the label for the product compliant with the regulations? All right. So that, that's the label compliance piece. Um, third thing is making sure the business is compliant with the regulations. So is the business compliant to basically make sure that it's giving some form of tax to the government where it's selling products? Because the reality is, if you're selling a product in a country, the government want to want a little bit of a thank you, and they want some cash in return for that, for you selling products in their country. Like, it's only fair, right? I like the term. It. I never heard it. I like this. <laughs> the government <laughs> likes a little bit of thank you. I, I will print this on the shirt. <laughs> so great. Yeah, they, they love tax. They love tax. <laughs> they love tax. Exactly that. I love and then, that. And then two more. So that, that's the market research, product compliance, tax compliance, business compliance. Just one example. I mean, when, when you sell an electronic good yep. and you have a plug, the European plugs are different yep. even in Europe. Totally. Exactly that. And, and that's, that's what your market research should be following, finding out, you know. You know um, and your product compliance, again, needs to make sure that you're not sending the wrong plug to the wrong location. Because it's pointless. One, you're going to waste a load of money. Yeah, we've had sellers that have retrospectively sent us you know, plugs for either the Europe or the UK to swap in boxes because they haven't put them in the box in the first place. Um, you know, it's crazy. So the fourth one is about shipping. Make sure that when you're shipping, you understand where you're shipping to. The shipping terms do you want to ship to and the customs that come with that. So wherever you ship to, you're going to have to pay some form of customs, some form of duty, again, to say thank you for taking the products into the region. But with the customs, you need to make sure that you're legally allowed to send the products into that region. And the customs agents or shipping people you're using are used to shipping e-commerce products into that region because e-commerce and shipping into new regions, you need to make sure people are used to doing that because there's direct or indirect representation. You know, do they need a fiscal representation? Do they not? You know, what does that look like? You know, what terms are they shipping under? Where are they shipping to? So you need to just need to make sure you understand things like 
you know, do you need an indirect or direct representation? Who's your importer of record? Are you the importer of record? And there's a whole load of things that need to go with that. All right. So make sure you get your shipping and customs thing sorted. And then the last thing is make sure you've got a way of topping up your fulfillment from wherever you are in the world. So if you're using FBA, Amazon FBA, for example, then you need to make sure that you've got buffer stock locally. Because what will happen is, is you'll run out of stock and then your listing plummets and you're back to square one again. Like you don't want your listing to be tanking. It's a little bit different if you're selling on your own website because you don't need to worry as much about it other than from a turnover point of view and generating income. But if you run out of stock, it's not going to tank your listing because you know what's got it there and you know the ads and the secret sauce to make that work. That's not as much of a problem. But when you rely on marketplaces and you go out of stock, that's a problem. And all the problems we're seeing at the moment with logistics getting stock out of China, you know, you need to make sure that you're planning well in advance and you've got that structure because if your containers get held up because you just can't get stock out of China, which is a reality right now, you yeah, know, a real you problem. Have a problem. Yeah, you know? real problem. And especially um, if, if you always sell on marketplaces, especially on Amazon, uh, you will have a review problem, a really bad review problem. Yep. Uh, and that's, you know, they're, so they're, they're my probably five mistakes to avoid or, or things to do first. Do the research, make sure your products are compliant, make sure your business is compliant, get your customs sorted out and your shipping sorted out. And lastly, make sure you've got some form of ability to top up from wherever you are in the world. Yeah, especially when there is a bus on your product um, and, and you need to deliver. That's, that's, that's very important. Yeah. Um, Annie, tell me, tell me a bit more about how did the Brexit um, uh, affect your expansion process? So we were really fortunate because, well, hold on, let me rephrase that. So Brexit happened. Yeah. We weren't fortunate about Brexit. However. <laughs> Shit happens, you know. <laughs> you, you, we, uh, I, I have a, you control controllables, right? Yeah. There are some things I can control and there are some things I can't control. And what governments and people of said countries decide is completely out of my control. So uh, Brexit happened. We were very fortunate in as far as 95% of our clients were based outside of the EU at the time. So all of our clients were shipping in from typically the States or Asia, Australia into Europe. So we were really well versed in shipping people from outside Europe or the EU, sorry, into Europe or the UK. So when Brexit happened, you won, the only difference we had to do was make sure we had a decent customs process sorted and a warehouse in Europe to fulfill from both locations, which we managed to do. So our clients, all stakes-based, majority stakes-based, just carried on selling as usual. It was business as usual. The problem that we found is that sellers based in the UK or sellers based in what is now the EU basically decided that they could no longer sell in either jurisdiction and threw their toys out the pram and said, that's oh, too difficult, I'm not doing it. And of course, what we've done is that over the last 18 months is spent time educating people that actually it's really straightforward. We were doing this beforehand. So it's not that we're making this up as we're going along. We know what works and what doesn't work. And it's just a case of you going through the process and making sure that you've got certain things in place to ship. There was a whole load of process of problems. You know, 
It was a complete nightmare at the borders. It was a complete nightmare with the parcel services. It was a complete nightmare getting into Germany. It was a complete nightmare getting into Amazon. But all of those things, you there were ways around them if you could navigate and you knew what would what you had to do anyway. Yeah. Um, so we were really fortunate that we were able to unlock it really quickly for our clients because we were already doing it. Uh, we managed to unlock a lot more sellers going from the UK or Europe into either jurisdiction um, and make that happen very quickly. And we're still on a process of education for all of those sellers because there's still so many people in the union or in the UK still saying, ah, oh, I still can't sell in Europe. I mean, I just don't understand it, honestly. But there we go. Yeah, cool, cool. Good you handled that so good. Um, and what I've seen is you previously uh, conducted a poll on your LinkedIn uh, asking, Uh, is it possible to expand the brand in Europe in 14 days or less? Where does the world lie? Yeah, so uh, we have a process to basically expand a brand in 14 days. Yeah. And the reason for that is that what happens is someone says, oh, I want to expand. And I'm like, well, great, let's do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of just taking action and making shit happen. And the reason for that is that You know, if you don't take that action, what happens is you start stalling, you lose momentum, and it never happens. And the faster you get to the market, the more success you have. Our data shows the sellers or brands that go full in and make it happen quickly are the ones that succeed, without any shadow of a doubt. So we looked at a way of basically making that happen in 14 days. So we can, someone contacted us today and said, right, I want to start selling in Europe. And I'm taking Europe as a whole with the UK and the union all in one. We can make that happen in 14 days. Now, there are a few caveats to that in the depends on what marketplace you want to sell on or depend on how quickly we can do that. If you have your own website, I can do it in less than that without any shadow of a doubt. I can make it happen quicker. Um, if you want to be on Amazon, you know, Amazon will make you wait until you get your VAT number before you can start selling quite rightly so in many ways. Um, so Amazon might take a little bit longer because to actually get the VAT number, because we use two tricks up our sleeves because most people can't get a VAT number quick enough, which is the problem. And we use two things. We use temporary EORI numbers, which means you can ship products straight away. And we use limited fiscal representation to ship products into other locations where you can't have a temporary EORI number, which means I can get stock into Europe legally today, you and you could ship tomorrow, like no problems. Cool. Um, so it's all absolutely feasible, and it's really for those that really want to take massive action and really want to make it happen. Because coming to the end of you Q1, lots of people have overordered. So people were trying to basically, or they were. They were taking stuff out and redistributing the stock into other locations. That's not going to work if you've got all the 5,000 units from China. Yeah. Because you ain't going to get stock in 14 days. Like, it's impossible. It's Unless impossible. it's already made and you airship it. Mm -hmm. But it's costly. Yeah. It's possible. But it's very interesting that this is doable, or at least a part of it is doable really within less than 14 days to, yeah. to get the things roll out. And product selling. Yeah. Yep. If the operations are in place, 
That's fine. Let's talk a bit about operations and automation. How important is this to have a good automation uh, for the product management, product shipping uh, in the back end? So I think there's you get different levels of sellers and brands. And I think that for me, the people that we, again, we see winning are the ones that are making their lives as simple as possible. <laughs> and the way you make your life as simple as possible is using automations and software to make that happen. Because as soon as you start requiring people, what happens is, is for those people that run a business, know that people are the blockers to activity happening. Because it's not that they're, 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 you know, you're employing someone to solve a problem. <laughs> but the reality is, is that when you put someone in the way of something, you know, they they need to make something happen and that takes time as well as when you've got an automation you know that happens without someone being involved and it just naturally happens so for me anything that people can use to utilize streamlining processes uh making processes simpler using automations is the way to go um definitely without any shadow of a doubt the automation thing, I think, is really key. If this happens, this happens, this happens, you know, and depends on the CRM software used, the logistics software, the whatever else you've got, you know, you rebranding, repricing, like there's a million and one pieces of software out there. That, yeah. That's the reality. Yeah. It's about finding the right software that's right for you and your business that makes the automation simpler and easier. And there is people like your good self that have made a great job of you know, solving some of these problems. So automation, also a key to success if you do it the right way. Now, the last question for the day, Andy, who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? Wow. Uh, who's taught me the most? I don't think there's anyone, I, I'm going to put two people and this is probably, I don't know if this is a bit cheesy or not, but one is our clients. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I heard uh, that. I heard that in the uh, past as well, that's true. Are constantly educating us. You know, when you work with 2000 different sellers, what happens is, is over time, you know, I, I'm, I'm always a big fan of education. So, you know, I've, you know, always educated myself, whether that be a YouTube video or a course. And depending on what stage of my career I've been in or my business journey has depended on whether I've had the time, then therefore the, the opportunity to look at YouTube videos or the cash, which has not given me the time and to take a course. So there's two different ways. But day to day, our clients educate us on a day to day basis about, you know, when you've got a community of 2,000 sellers that are out there doing it all the time, what's happening is you're getting that feedback all the time. You know, we hear from our sellers before we hear from Amazon changing this or we hear from the government changing this or that. Now, obviously, we're relatively proactive with a lot of that because we've got people looking for this these problems all the time. But the community educate you, right? That's it. So that's one. And then secondly, the team here. You know, the team here are all educating each other all the time. And we have regular Friday morning trainings, where there's also an opportunity for, you know, quick fire. What have we learned today that we didn't, or this week that we didn't know? Fire, 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 fire. And then, of course, you're just learning via that every time as well. Um, and when you're trying to solve, which what we do, a problem for clients, which is how to expand easily, right? The key thing there is, is, is we need to make sure that we're at the forefront of everything that's happening. 
are we always? No, probably not at every single step. But have we got our finger on the pulse? Pretty much. And I think it's important that you're taking the opportunity to have the inbound to you all the time in different ways. So it's not really one person because there's so many different educators out there. Some talk a load of old nonsense um, and some actually know what they're talking about. And typically the ones that are doing it for free know what they're talking about. The ones that are being paid don't. In my experience, I can't say that's completely true. Um, there but, is something on it. <laughs> do you know, it's, 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 uh, it's strange. But anyway, uh, so hopefully that partially answers that question. It, it answers the question. Very good. Very good. Thank you very much, Andy. It was really a pleasure talking to you. And yeah, as, as you said, um, if, if you try to expand, do it the right way. Yeah? Take care that your listing is good enough, your translations are good enough, that you have done the analysis of the market to see if your product is a good fit there. If you have everything that you that you need for it, is everything legal uh, and, and, and and fine? Yeah? Do, do you have the taxes in place? Do you have the right plugs? Um, or whatever you need, the right labels in the specific region? And uh, yeah, go to a professional provider, of course. And GE seems to be a very good uh, place to go to, um, to kick off the European expansion. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.